Welcome to another exciting weekend message from Encounter Church. For more information, visit us online at EncounterPGH.com. Thanks for listening and enjoy the message. Today we are exploring the movie called The Hunger Games. And for those of you who have seen The Hunger Games, or have even, if unless you've been living under a rock, you have got to have heard of this movie. It is one of the most popular films of our, probably our last decade. We're about to find the third uh, installment in that this fall. And um, it's just a great, great movie. It has a lot of themes. And today our theme is going to be about hope in the face of hopelessness. And I think today, if you find yourself in a place where you feel like you're hopeless or you feel like there's a situation that's facing you that you don't know how you're going to fix or get out of, I believe that today is going to speak to you. So uh, with having said that, let's, uh, let's roll the film. Hope. It's a beautiful thing. It inspires us to be better than ourselves. It gives us the capacity for greatness. Hope is something that inspires art and community. It pulls us together. Revolutions have even been started because of hope. Hope that there is something more for us, something that could be greater, something that can push us forward. Hope can transform lives. But what if hope is removed or forgotten? Isn't the opposite just as true? Our lives can begin to feel colorless or feel suffocating. Without hope, there is no future, only perpetual existence. Without hope, we can begin to feel like we lose our purpose in life and that our circumstances define us. Without hope, we can even begin to feel like we deserve what we get. Whether the situations we find ourselves in feel hopeless, or when we look around and see other people in their hopelessness, and we feel like, what can we possibly do to make a difference in their lives? The greatest thing about hope, though, is it always exists. No matter how hard it gets, it's always there. Sometimes, we just need to be reminded of it. Maybe it's your turn to remind someone else. So, my son has a Kindle Fire. Any, any of you guys seen those? They're these little, little boxes that you get, and it started with the Kindle and the Nook, and now it's become like a tablet similar to an iPad and those types of things. My son has one that he religiously plays Minecraft on, and he loves it. Well, one day we were out at a restaurant uh, after church, and he was playing on it while we were having lunch, talking to some friends, and he dropped his kindle fire on the ground, and it hit the, the leg post on the, on the floor and cracked. The whole screen just shattered. And my son was so sad. This was his, his most favorite toy. He loved this toy, and we, it was broken. What were we going to do? So we started doing some research, and we found out that it was going to cost, you know, maybe $150, $200 for us to fix it if we took it to one of those screen repair shops. And then we found a couple friends who were asking if they could fix it. And the situation was just getting frustrating because just no matter what angle we took, it wasn't seemed to working. Well, finally, we were able to find an individual who was able to fix it for us. And we sent the money. Uh, it was a friend of a friend, and he was able to fix it. So we sent it to him. And my son, every week, Daddy, is my Kindle 
going to be fixed yet? Is it coming back? Uh, it should be here soon. Don't know when. Well, finally, we get the, the message from the man who repaired it saying that he sent it. And we're like, great. So we tell my son, Lincoln, it's coming, buddy. And by this time, it has been about three weeks or a month since he's had his Kindle, the poor guy. If any of you have ever been without one of your precious items, maybe your phone or a laptop or something that is in repairs, you know this feeling of not having the thing that you want. Well, my son was just asking every week over and over again, Daddy, is it here yet? Is it here yet? No, son. We check the mail every morning. Every day we'd look in the mailbox, no, it's not here yet. Well, it started to just wear on. The days would go and go, and we're like, what is going on? So we called the gentleman, and we said, hey, uh, you said that you mailed it. Do you have a tracking number? And he said, no, I didn't track it. I didn't, I didn't do a tracking number. I said, oh, great. He said, but it should be there this week. Well, day after day went, and the, the Kindle did not arrive. It didn't show up. And we're like, what are we going to do? My son, who we told him we spent money already. We already dropped 100 bucks on to get this fixed. We got a really good deal to get it fixed, but it's like, I can't let alone get it fixed. I can't drop another 200 to, to, to get another one. I mean, this was a gift for him. We didn't even buy it for him in the first place. And we're just panicking. Our situation was becoming pretty hopeless at this point. And we didn't know what we were going to do. And if, at one point, we just sat Lincoln down and he said, son, I don't, I, don't, uh, I don't know what to tell you. I think it got lost in the mail or maybe, maybe it got stolen. And to try to explain to a seven-year-old the concept of why someone would steal an item from the post office is an impossible task. Why would someone do that? It's not theirs. Well, I know it's not theirs, buddy. I'm so sorry, but, it, but I, I don't know. He said he mailed it and it hasn't arrived and it, we don't know what's going on. And so we, he, he was so sad. And so Heather and I are racking our brains trying to figure out what are we going to do? What are we going to do in this situation? Well, we got a, uh, a knock on the door a couple days later from our mailman. And he knocked on the door and he said, hey, uh, I think this is for you. And it was a package with the Kindle inside. And we were like, what? how did this happen? He said, it was delivered to another home by mistake. It had the wrong address number on it, but it had my name. So it said Jared Lanza, but it had the wrong address. So it went to that person's house. Now, if you have ever doubted humanity's willingness to help out someone, that person who received a free Kindle in the mail returned it to the post office and said this was at the wrong address. And so they have a table inside the post office where, where miscellaneous mail that gets returned to wrong addresses sort of sits for a, while, a little while before it gets returned. And our mailman just happened to be going around looking at that table like he does. He's a good mailman. I'm going to give him a Christmas present this year. And while I, he was looking at the table, he saw a package that had my name on it with the wrong address and said, I, I think this is right. So he brought it to our house. And our son got his Kindle Fire back that was lost. That was, it was a hopeless situation. There was absolutely no hope for us to, re- to receive this item. But we did. Against all odds, we received this Kindle. That's a great story. We had restored hope. Well, think about things in our life, though. What are some things that we hope for? Like, my son was desperately clinging to the hope that his Kindle would arrive. But what are the things that we hope for in our lives? The things that we grasp onto and hope for safety and security? Well, one of them is, I was thinking, fitting today with our Black and Gold Sunday. We have an image on the screen of some of our favorite uh, things that we hope for in our city. Uh, Well, this year, the Pittsburgh Steelers, we're hoping that they can win at least eight games. Maybe even more if we're lucky, but I feel like eight is probably, probably a pretty good wish, but we'll see how that goes. Today, we have a, a big game tonight. Uh, the Pirates, right? We're, right now, as a city, we are, we, are, we are hoping that they can clinch a wild card spot and hoping that they can maybe win the playoffs. I mean, 
Wouldn't it be amazing if they could get past the NLDS? I mean, that would be a huge step forward. One day we can even, we can even begin to hope that the Pirates would win the pennant or even win their division. I mean, that would be incredible. What about the Penguins? I mean, the Penguins, we would like to see them get beyond the first round of the playoffs. That's, that's my hope for the Penguins this year is that they can get through and that Flurry can look like he's not Swiss cheese this year. That would be great. But in all seriousness, what are some other things that we hope for? Maybe our paycheck our finances, right? We, we hope that everything will be okay. If I can just get my paycheck, if I can make it till Friday, then I think we'll be okay. Or maybe that promotion. If I, could just, if I could just get that promotion, if I could just get that raise, I've been working so hard, and if I could just get that raise or that promotion, then, then things will be okay. Our situation will get better. Our financial status will, will, be, will be in a better place. We hope for our kids' futures. For those of us who are parents or want to be parents one day, we hope for our kids' futures that, that the world that they grow up in will be a better place than we grew up in or that, that, that the schools, that we'll have the money to be able to send them to college or all those things we hope for our kids to have better lives than we did. We hope for, we hope for good health. We hope that, that, that tomorrow I'll be healthy. We hope that, that if I'm sick that I'll get better. We hope that doctors can help us we hope for relationships, that maybe one day I'll find Mr. Ryder or Miss, Miss Ryder, that maybe if my marriage is on the rocks, I hope that it'll get better. I hope that as my, with my friendships, my best friend, or we had a problem with my brother or my sister or, or whatever it might be. In our relationships, we hope that things will get better. But what happens when those good things fall through? I mean, none of us are immune to this. What happens when the good things in our life, when, when we lose our job, what happens when our health suddenly takes a, a turn to the, to the, for, the, for the worse? What happens when, 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 when someone that we love breaks up with us or leaves us? What happens when our kids don't, their lives are not working out the way that we want them to? I mean, our life is full of, of situations that throw us for a loop and none of us are immune to it. Every one of us can, on a, on a turn of a dime, can be thrown into a situation that can feel hopeless. And when that happens, we then find ourselves feeling fear. We find ourselves stressed out. We feel powerless in those situations. We feel an inability to do anything about our circumstances. I mean, it's amazing how in one moment we can feel great. We can feel secure. We can feel like we've got everything going for us, that the world is good and everything is right as rain. And then on the, just the next morning you wake up and it's like, poof, what happened? And all of a sudden everything is different. It's amazing how we can feel like our lives can spiral out of control and we lose perspective on things. Not a lot has changed, but the things that we hoped for, that we put our hope in, can, can leave us feeling empty at times because they are not, they're not things that can truly last. They're temporal items. And so that's going to bring us to our big idea of the day. We're going to get into it really early here. And the big idea is this, is that the source of our hope will shape our perspective. If you have your programs, pull out your, pull out your program and pull out the sermon notes in there and take out a pen or a pencil. I encourage you to write this down. This is so critical for you to understand. And even, and to just say it over and over again. In fact, can we say this together? Let's practice saying this together. We're going to do it a couple times. Let's say it together. The source of our hope will shape our perspective. The source of our hope will shape our perspective. This is critical to understand because if we're putting our hope in things like our paychecks or like our kids' health or like our health or our futures, all the things that we put our hope into, 
If those things are not solid, if those things have the ability to fall through, well, now our perspective can be lost. So that's what I was just saying. It's like, if, if the moment that something falls through, we then go to this place of where now my perspective has changed. What's going on? I'm in a hopeless position because the thing that you were hoping in is now fallen through. So another way to say that, the source of our hope will shape our perspective. Another way to say it is the thing that we put our hope in will determine what we can reasonably hope for. So let's think of it. If I'm putting my hope in my paycheck, which can fall through, well, then what can I reasonably hope for? I can reasonably hope for that occasionally or most of the time things will be okay and I can pay my bills most of the time, but I'm not guaranteed that. You see what I'm saying? So the things that we put our hope in will determine what we can reasonably hope for. The source of our hope, the thing that we put our hope in will shape the way we look at life. And when we have situations that come across us that are difficult, that are frustrating, that feel hopeless, we will have a different perspective So what should be the source of our hope? What is it that should be the thing that we grab onto at all times and say, this is what I'm going to put my hope in? Well, we're going to look at a passage of Scripture today. And don't worry, we're going to get to the movie clips, I promise. I know you all came for the Hunger Games. But we're going to look at a passage of Scripture that was written by a man who was searching for hope. He had looked and found a lot of things in life, a lot of good things in life. But in the end, he realized where hope truly was found. And this is what we're going to go to is Psalm 33. If you have your Bibles with you, I encourage you to to pull them out. If you don't have a Bible at home at all, I encourage you to come up to the front today. And uh, on the outside tables, we have free Bibles for you. Absolutely free. You don't have to ask anybody. Just take one, okay? If you know a friend who doesn't have a Bible, take one, okay? We want to give Bibles away like, you know, like somebody's business, okay? But I encourage you to bring your Bibles with you or a tablet or a smartphone and pull out your Bible app and open up to Psalm 33, and the verse is on the screen as well as on those sermon notes. So keep that sermon note out with you because I want you to write these things down, all right? This is what that man found. He said, but the Lord watches over those who fear him. We're in verse 18 here. But the Lord watches over those who fear him, those who rely on his unfailing love. He rescues them from death and keeps them alive in times of famine. That sounds pretty good, right? So the situation is dire rescues them from death. I mean, that means they were on the precipice of death and keeps them alive in times of famine. So when we're talking about our finances, I know families who can barely fill the refrigerator with food because they don't have the finances to be able to do that. So in those situations, we see here, it says the Lord keeps them alive in times of famine. Verse 20, and this is the answer to our question. Where do we find, what's the source of our hope? We put our hope in the Lord. He is our help and he is our shield. In him our hearts rejoice, for we trust in his holy name. Let your unfailing, this is a prayer now, right? So this guy who understands where the source of hope should be is praying directly. He's speaking to God, and he's saying, let your unfailing love surround us, Lord, for our hope is in you alone. I mean, think about that for a second. Let your, and I love this word, unfailing. So when we look at the other things that we're hoping for, paychecks, our health, our finances, our kids' futures, the decisions that they'll make, our relationships, all of those things, are any of them unfailing? Are any of them by definition unfailing? No. They may be solid. They may be good. They may be even good things to to rely on, but they are not 
They are not unfailing. Now, verse 22, let your unfailing love surround us for our hope is in you alone. So if you read that scripture sort of in reverse, because we know that God is unfailing, it literally adds credence to this, doesn't it? The Lord watches over those who fear him unfailingly. He unfailingly rescues people from death. He unfailingly keeps them alive in times of famine. He is our unfailing help. He is our unfailing shield. We trust in his holy name. So the answer to our question, which was, where should we put the source of our hope? The answer to that is the source of our hope should be in God alone. Should be in God alone. But Jared, but Pastor Jared, does God pay my paychecks? I mean, does God give me a new job? Does, does God take care of my family? And does God make the decisions? Does God, you know, is God the one who makes the, the, the wife who used to love me come back to me? Does, does, does God do those things? Well, no. I mean, every one of us has choices. But God is so great. God is so powerful that he has the ability to shape things. He doesn't cause the situations that happen in your life to happen. He doesn't cause the negativity, the problems. Those are our choices that we make as a result of sin in our lives that drive us to selfishness and to make poor decisions that destroy people and relationships. But God is a God who's above all of that. He has the incredible ability to step outside of time, to step outside of our linear thought and our linear world. Like we think A, B, C. God can start at A, see what happens, and while you're going through B, he goes to D and backs up to make C ready for you when you get there. It's incredible. God has the ability to do amazing things. And so when we trust in him as our source, we will not fail. We will not find We will not find the things that will cause us to lose perspective because our eyes are focused on something that is unfailing. We know that he will get us through it. We know that he will get us through it. So no matter what you're going through, if you lose your job or if you break up with somebody or you're going through a rough time or your health is failing you, whatever it is, if you're focusing on God, when you look at him and you spend time with him, you know that your hope is in him. Even though your health might be failing, his love is never a failing. He will always be there. He will get you through the situations one way or another. And so sometimes we do find ourselves in difficult situations. Sometimes we do feel hopeless. So the rest of our time today, we're going to spend looking at what does hope look like when things go bad. So sometimes things will go bad. And so now we have this perspective that the source of our, of our hope will shape our perspective. So if our hope is in God alone, what does hope now look like when things do go bad? And the first of this is this, is that hope gives us courage. Hope gives us courage. So in the movie The Hunger Games, in the very beginning of the story, there is a reaping that is going on. There is a a lottery that's happening where every person has their name entered in, And for those of you who don't know the story, a name is pulled out and they are now required to go to a tournament like a gladiator arena in uh, in the Roman times to fight to the death. And one winner will be the last person standing who will be crowned with riches and glory for the rest of their lives. So we're going to pick up right in a moment here in that clip where where there is a family who is going, the whole community in this poor town, this hopeless town is going and they're waiting to see whose name is going to be picked, and we're going to see what happens right here. We have a very special film. 
brought to you all the way from the capital. War. Terrible war. Widows, orphans, a motherless child. This was the uprising that rocked our land. Thirteen districts rebelled against the country that fed them, loved them, protected them. Brother turned on brother until nothing remained. And then came the peace. Hard fought, sorely won. A people rose up from the ashes and a new era was born. But freedom has a cost, and the traitors were defeated. We swore as a nation we would never know this treason again. And so it was decreed that each year the various districts of Pan Am would offer up in tribute one young man and woman to fight to the death in a pageant of honor, courage, and sacrifice. The lone victor, bathed in riches, would serve as a reminder of our generosity and our forgiveness. This is how we remember our past. This is how we safeguard our future. I just love that. Now, the time has come for us to select one courageous young man and woman for the honor of representing District 12 in the 74th Annual Hunger Games. As usual, ladies first. Go find mom. No. Go find mom. I know. No. So sorry. No. Go find mom. No. Emily. Go find mom. No. 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 Dramatic turn of events here in District 12. Yes, well. What an emotional scene. I mean, what we see in that section right there is the case of hopelessness. I mean, this small little girl, Prim, who has absolutely no chance of surviving in this contest, in this, in this competition. And so we, before the clip, we said that what do we do when things go bad? What does hope look like when things go bad? I mean, this is about as bad as a situation it can get in this family. I mean, that family had already lost their father in a mining accident. And now this young little girl who can't really take care of herself or do anything 
is selected to go up against these athletes who some of them are trained. And the only thing that could be done in that moment, the main character of the movie Katniss, she, something rises up inside of her. It wasn't a desire for glory. It wasn't a desire to, to, uh, to do anything for herself. But something rose up inside of her in that hopeless situation, and it was courage. And she stood up, and she, she had this, this hope against all odds that she would be able to do something, and if nothing else, she could at least restore hope back to her sister. She gave her life back to her sister. Do you realize that? Like in that very moment, in that very moment, Prim was sentenced to death ultimately. Every one of them except for one person in the tournament was sentenced to death. And so Katniss, in that moment of courage and of having hope, she gave her sister her life back. And this is a great picture of what happens for each of us. Every one of us has been given our life back. We are all in hopeless, dire situations in a spiritual sense. Every one of us are in a place where we cannot live life and finish our lives well without the help of Jesus in our lives. We have seen it, every one of us. Just All it takes is a casual glance on the news at night. You can see the pain, the suffering, the horrible things that we do to each other. And you might say, just before... Just before you say, well, I don't, I don't do any of those things. No, we do our own things. We have our own selfishness and our own pain that we give to other people because of what we want in our own homes. We create insecurity and all those things. And I don't want to harp on that. But all of us have this place in our lives where, where we need help. And Jesus Christ has given us love. He came and sacrificed himself. He stood in our place and said, no, I will go in their place. Jesus did. He gave us hope. He gave us hope. He had the courage to stand up against the mobs, those who would kill him in our place, to pay the penalty for what we've done wrong in our lives. All the things that we've missed the mark on, Jesus took our place. So just like Katniss took Prim's place and gave her her life back, Jesus has given our lives back. And the great thing about this is that we can do the same thing for someone else. We can become hope to other people. If our situation is blessed, if we're in a place where we have prosperity, we have finances, where we have the ability to help, we should help. If we see a neighbor, we see a friend who's living in a situation that feels hopeless, we have the opportunity and I would say the obligation as followers of Jesus to step into those lives and to bring hope and to give people their lives back. We can all be hope. So the first thing, because we have hope in Jesus, because we have hope in God and know that he will protect us, he loves us and will keep us safe. The first thing that hope looks like is it gives us courage. Hope gives us courage. But what else can it give us? Let's look at another clip and see what hope does. Sit down. Seneca, why do you think we have a winner? What do you mean? I mean, why do we have a winner? I mean, if we just wanted to intimidate the districts, why not round up 24 of them at random and execute them all at once? It'd be a lot faster. Hope. Hope? is the only thing stronger than fear. So that brings up another interesting fact, and that is fear. Fear. Fear controls us. Fear 
causes us to lose perspective in our lives. We can feel hopeless. And so President Snow was saying in this, in this clip, he's talking about, well, why do we have a winner? I mean, why bother if the whole point was, to just, was just to show people that we are the boss? Why bother with a winner? And he said, because fear, the only thing that is greater than fear is hope. He said, hope gives people the illusion, at least in his mind, that there can be things that can be better. But in reality, we know that hope gives us the power to be able to endure and to inspire us for more, that things will get better. And so the second thing is that is what we can hope, we can expect from hope is one is that hope gives us courage. But the second is that hope gives us power. It empowers us to take action. It gives us faith. I'm not going to ask you to turn to this passage of Scripture, but it is on the screen. In 2 Corinthians verse 1, or chapter 1, verses 8 through 10. This is, this is incredible. I want you to think of this in the terms of hopelessness and see how they respond. We think you ought to know, dear brothers and sisters, about the trouble that we went through in the province of Asia. This area of province of Asia is now considered like the area of Turkey in uh, the Middle East. We were crushed and overwhelmed beyond our ability to endure. I mean, that sounds pretty, pretty tough, pretty difficult. And we thought that we would never live through it. In fact, we expected to die. I mean, have any of you heard this passage in Scripture? I mean, this is kind of, I don't know, it, it seems at first glance, it's sort of surprising, really. Like, I mean, the New Testament, most of the New Testament is about God doing incredible things and lives being changed and the disciples and the apostles are going out into, into new places and sharing the gospel and, and, and lives are coming to know Jesus. But there was opposition and there, were, there was pain. In fact, verse 9, we expected to die. But as a result, we stopped relying on ourselves and learned to rely only on God, who raises the dead. And he did rescue us from mortal danger, and he will rescue us again. We have placed our confidence in him, and he will continue to rescue us. Now, this, this is a group of people who were who were going out, doing what God asked them to do. They had hope, they had courage, and now they had power, power to endure what came along. The thing is, is that these people, these apostles, these great men of God, were in a place where they were, we don't know the specific exact circumstances about what happened to them and why, but if the situation was so dire that they thought they were going to die, that must have meant that, that their situation was pretty poor that there were either people who were angry at them or they had run out of money or run out of food or whatever the situation was. And then there's an interesting thing that it says in there. It says, so as a result, we learned to not rely on ourselves, our paychecks, our car, our relationships that we've had in the past, our social network connections, all the people that we know, the things that we rely on, our phones and our laptops and our houses, They learned to not rely on any of those things. So going back to the beginning, right, they realized that they were putting their hope in those things. And in this situation, this difficult situation brought them to a place where they realized everything that I had in this world to hope for has failed me. Every one of them has the capacity and potential to leave me without its presence in my life. And they realized that only God can get us through this. And that's what it said. It said, and he did rescue us from mortal danger. And I love this. And he will continue to rescue us. We have placed our confidence in him. So not only when situations go bad, should we 
have courage because we know that our source of our, of, our, of our hope is in God and that He is bigger than every circumstance that we have. That gives us courage to move on. But there's also power and hope that, that we don't have to sit in this situation, that we can get up, that we can move forward, and that God will rescue us and that we have the ability to endure and push forward, that there is more. Because I think we can fall into the trap of feeling like there's just no hope. I mean, the Katniss could have done that. Katniss could have gone into the Hunger Games tournament and just sat there and said, well, I'm going to die anyway, so I might as well just sit here and enjoy the scenery. And I think some of us do that. When our situations seem hopeless, when our situations seem difficult, oftentimes we lose perspective and then we begin to feel like there is no hope and there's nothing we can do, so we just sit there. But if we have our focus on Jesus, if we have our focus of our hope, we know that we place our hope in God. God, you're going to get us through this. Just like the psalmist said, he said, let your unfailing love. He was praying, God, let your unfailing love come and rescue me. And my hope is in you. When we do that on our, li- on our daily basis, if we are in the middle of a situation, hear me now, guys, this is important. This is a teaching moment. If you are in the middle of a situation right now that you need God to show up in, you need hope in, I want you to today, later on, or even right now or during our response moment and every day next until the situation gets resolved somehow, I want you to stop and I want you to close your eyes and I want you to get alone somewhere with God and I want you to stop and I want you to say, God, I put my hope in you. I put my trust in you. I know that these things in my life, all the other things could be gone in any moment. I put my trust in you. Help me. Be my shield. Whatever you want to say, but you're, you're, you're talking to God. It's like my son coming to me and he says, Daddy, like, I know, I know that, that it's going to be okay. And he's been scared. And there have been times at night where he's afraid of something in his room. And he comes over to me and I said, Lincoln, it's going to be okay. And he says, Dad, I know it's going to be all right. Because Jesus is with me? I said, yes, it's because Jesus is with you. And he knows because I know because you and Mommy are here. He knows. And so this is the concept is if you would just take time and you would stop and you would say, God, I can't see it. My situation seems hopeless. It's frustrating. But right now, I I choose. It's a choice. I choose to place my hope in you. I don't know what that's going to look like. I don't know what that means, but I know that you are bigger than all of it. It gives us the power. Hope gives us the power to be able to see beyond our situations and know that there is more for us. Hope gives us courage. Hope gives us power. And lastly, it can do some incredible things. Hope is contagious. Let's look at this last clip.
the act of bringing hope to people, it's contagious. It's something that excites us. It's something that excites other people. And we see in this clip that even in the middle of this horrible place, in the middle of this space of hopelessness, she had no chance of survival. She took her sister's place because she was willing to do that. She had the courage and the power to see beyond. But what she probably didn't know was that her actions spurred on hope in other people that something could happen. You see, and while I don't, while I don't condone violence, the message is coming across, I hope, that they saw the dignity that she gave to someone. And let me say that, let me point that out to you, that in our lives, there are people, even in our own church, who live lives that are different than ours. And when we come across them and their situation seems dire or, 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 or painful, if we choose to get into their life with them, if we choose to, in our life groups, we just started them. And I have heard incredible stories already of what God has been doing and just in the lives of people in our life groups already. I encourage you, if you haven't signed up or haven't gotten in one, do it. It will change your life. But if we choose to just get into someone's life and say, I will be there with you in the pain, in the struggle, in their awkwardness that maybe their lives are different. Maybe you go to their home to, to deliver food to them and maybe their home is, is dirty. I don't know, whatever it might be. Whatever the situation is, if you give someone dignity like Katniss did and you show them that hope, you're, you're depositing hope into their life that there could be more for them. They may not believe it. So that the, the very beginning of my message on that clip that I had, I said, Maybe we just need to be reminded of the hope, but maybe it's our turn to remind somebody else. Maybe there are people, your next door neighbor, a coworker of yours, maybe even just your husband, your wife, your boyfriend, your boss, or your son, your daughter, your neighbor, anybody just needs to be reminded of hope. I was reminded of, of a little bit of hope when that neighbor returned the Kindle to the post office. Not everything is as bad as it seems sometimes. So it's contagious. It spreads. And we see an entire district of people rise up and say that they're not going to take it anymore, that they're going to do something about their problems. And together, God partners with us. He wants to partner with each of us to bring hope and love to the, to the world. And this is what I love, is that I mentioned those 16 churches that are being started today. And just yesterday, 12 of those churches did an event called Day of Hope in each of their cities. And they were expecting about 2,000 people at each of these events. We did something similar um, with our Back to School Bash. But what they did was they partnered with an organization called Convoy of Hope that brought in just tons and tons of groceries, and they gave away groceries to 2,000 families. They were expecting about 20,000 people across the 12 churches that were doing a Day of Hope yesterday. 20,000 people who got to hear the hope of Jesus from a church in a community where the church has maybe even lost its voice until today. And now those churches are there and they're saying, we gave you groceries, not because we like you, but because we love you and because Jesus Christ loves you, because Jesus gave his life for you. He gave you your life back. And we are here to show you how you can walk forward in that. There is hope in all of these communities today because of a man and a woman, a husband and a wife who stood up and said, Jesus, I will go to that community because you asked me to. There is hope in Lawrenceville because my wife and I stood up and said, we will go here. And now you have joined us and we are a part of that hope. Hope is contagious. There are people all over this community who like our church and they haven't come yet. 
because they're still, God is working on their hearts. There are walls around people's hearts. But I promise you, if you ask people, you ask them, have you heard of that encounter church? Oh yeah, they're the ones who did the, they're the ones who do the egg hunt every year. And they're the ones who did that backpack. I got a backpack from them. They gave us free food. They, they care about people. And I don't know if you know this, and it's not about this, but it's just a sign or a symptom. We were actually nominated by somebody in our community, I don't know who, to be the community partner of the year in Lawrenceville. Among all the community partners in this community, we were nominated as, as one of the community partners of the year at the award ceremony. I mean, it's incredible. In a community where many people hate Christianity, where they think that the church is irrelevant, we were nominated as community partner of the year. God's hope has been shown in this community and it's spreading. And that is the power that we have. The power that we have. Real quickly, I was reading this week and stumbled across something called the theology of hope. There's a man named Jürgen Moltmann and he says this, the theology of hope says that the future, not now, the future is the basis for changing the present. And that Christian service should be an attempt to make otherworldly hopes a present reality. The theology of hope. So what that means is what we hope for in the future, what we see God wants for people, what I see in you, what as your pastor, when I look into your eyes and I say, I love you and I pray for you, when I'm here preaching, when I'm preparing my messages each week, I'm not seeing the you now, I'm seeing the you that God has for you down the road. And so that's the theology of hope. It's saying, it's saying, God, whatever you have for people, I'm going to work towards that so that it can become a reality. And is this really any different than the Lord's Prayer? I mean, everybody knows it. If you've grown up in the Catholic Church or you've grown up in any church, you've heard it, right? Our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. You know this. But do you think about what it says? What's the next line? Your kingdom come. Your will be done. Where? On earth as it is in heaven. This is the theology of hope in action. This is praying, God, what is currently active, what is currently happening in heaven, the good things. Then at the end of Revelation, when it says there will be no more tears, there will be no more suffering, that is happening presently, live, in action, right now in heaven, okay? And so our job as Christians with this contagious hope is the theology of hope is to say that is the future we are bringing it here. We're working to bring that future to earth. And so when we pray the Lord's Prayer, it's not just some rote prayer. No, it is a prayer of, of, of power, asking God, God, your kingdom come here now. Give us the power to change the world, to change our communities, change my heart. Let your kingdom, let the good things, the healing that is in heaven, the relationships that are whole in heaven, let them come here now through me and through us. Hope is contagious. We can bring hope to our world. So our challenge today is simple. Be hope to the hopeless. Be hope to the hopeless. Have courage. Know that no matter what your situation or their situation is, that it can be better. And if your hope is in God, then he promises to take care of us. I don't know what that means. I don't know that every step of the way what it's going to look like, but he says that all things will work for the good of those who love him and who serve according to his purposes. If we align ourselves with God and what he wants in our lives, he will. He promises to take care of us. Have courage. Harness 
the power of hope. Harness it. Take it with you to work. Take it with you to school. Take it into your marriages. Take it with you into your families. If your kids are struggling with something, talk to them about the hope of God. Hey, it's going to be all right. God's going to take care of us. There are two people that I know just, just last week that both of them had pretty wrecked car accidents. And they're like, what am I going to do? I mean, just the, the fact of not even having a car is enough to put someone in a tailspin and not know what's going on. Well, I just got news from one of them today that they got more from their insurance company than they thought they were going to get, probably more than their car was worth, and now they have enough money to put a down payment on another car or to be able to buy one outright to get out of debt. That doesn't happen in our world with insurance companies who want to take a little bit of money out of their pockets. Who did that? God did that because they believed in the hope that Jesus Christ offers Whether that happens to you in a specific situation or not, when you harness the power of hope, it can change your life. It can change the trajectory of where you are headed. And finally, spread hope. Spread hope. Thanks for listening to this message from Encounter Church. If you call Encounter Home, or if you would like to partner with us to support the work that God is doing here, you can take advantage of our online giving option. Just go to EncounterPGH.com and click on the Support Encounter tab on the left side. This is a quick and simple way to stay up to date with your regular giving. We hope you join us next week.